0: you got to check out the mentality show. If you could be a fly on the wall and could hear how men think and really want to hear what goes on in the minds of everyday men, then you should check out the mentality show every Wednesday at 6 PM on YouTube and Facebook live real men, real talk the mentality show. You can find them anywhere. You stream podcasts and YouTube, Facebook and Instagram. Just look up the mentality show. This is WWE Superstar Drew McIntyre, and you're listening to the WWE podcast. The is the one that everybody wants. Mickey Let's go! To WrestleMania! more. Playmore! Post and 316 says I just ripped your ass This is my iron. You're gonna acknowledge me. Alright everybody, well there is no shortage of things to talk about tonight. Tonight we're going to focus on two specific topics and I've got Anthony DeMarco here with me as always every single Monday night to talk about the current events of WWE and we usually pick out a couple of stories uh, that happened and we're going to get into that with Vince and Brock Lesnar's return, but welcome to the show Anthony, how's everything going?
1: Not bad, man. A bit of a hectic week. I know that uh, we had talked about it. The process of moving is maybe single-handedly the worst thing one could experience in their life. (laughs) Obviously, I'm grossly exaggerating, but... uh it's uh completed for the time being. I have to do it all over again in sixteen weeks or so, but uh, for now, I can sit back and relax a bit and I'm sure you know that feeling I'm talking about
0: mm I do, and I thought that was like the worst exhaustion and then you have kids and then you're like, oh, I didn't know there was a, a, a fourth level of hell and there is so um yeah, but uh, no I, I get it and you know definitely we'll uh we'll get through this tonight and you you know you can get back to your uh, get back to your insanity and so uh, let's let's talk about Vince McMahon because. Right now, I mean, he seems to be, at least for the moment, the most talked about thing in uh, the world of wrestling. And we all know the story, at least what we can know at this point. There was an uh, investigation, there is an ongoing investigation with Vince McMahon. And the board has put a committee together to uh, essentially investigate a $3 million settlement, a alleged $3 million settlement. Uh, from vince mcmahon to kind of a, a hush hush type of deal with former employees i i guess one of them or both of them or i don't know so, so one of them at least was a paralegal in the organization that is no longer in the organization and they're looking into alleged misconduct with that money and if it's found that he's guilty you know we'll have to see but right now vince mcmahon uh vince mcmahon has stepped aside not stepped down i guess that was a distinction as uh, stephanie steps in as interim ceo let me let me stop there what do you make of this whole thing
1: well i mean it's kind of crazy when it comes out in concrete info because we've seen the mr mcmahon character play someone who has abused their power has cheated on his wife, had affairs left, right, and center, been obsessive over women. And, you know, I guess you always kind of thought that that was a bit of how the person Vince McMahon was, but you always kind of liked to think that it was just the character and Mr. McMahon. But then when a report like this comes out, it really kind of makes you think, like, damn, like was he almost trying to live you know, his real life on television in a way and was Mr. McMahon always just like an amplified version of Vince McMahon. And like, look, I, I read as much as probably you did, but like, just, just before I go any further, the report, the early reports is that they were consensual relationships, correct?
0: Yes. That, that they were consensual. Yes.
1: And that they are investigating the fact that he paid three million dollars to keep it hush hush of the company's money, right? That's Stockholder,
0: ex- shareholder money, yeah.
1: And uh, and it's tough because like it's just it's awful to hear about, especially when you consider that it happened in 2019, I believe. And you're just like, my God, you know, this guy was probably like already in his early to mid 70s, and he's still doing stuff like this. And it really kind of questions, like, it makes you question the person. But at the same time, there's a part of me that says, like, my God, like, I guess we always kind of knew this. And this just kind of confirms what we always knew, that the Vince McMahon person wasn't completely far off from the Mr. McMahon character. And I guess all that I could kind of say if to kind of find some kind of silver lining in this is that at least they were consensual relationships. It doesn't. Uh, and again, like they were consensual, but were they completely consensual? Where is there's their manipulation going on? Uh, you know, obviously he's a high rank, one of the most powerful men in the country. You know, I can't imagine that. I, did the age come out of the women that? Uh, I, no, at all?
0: I, I don't think so.
1: Well, either way, I can imagine that a still a working woman that you would have to assume is somewhere in the range of 20 to 50 years old would be really, you know, excited to you know start doing you know sexual things with a guy in his early 70s so i mean it it just kind of really paints wwe in a bad way and it kind of confirms what a lot of people have always speculated about vince mcmahon what would you say
0: well, yeah, it certainly lives up to the uh, living your gimmick accusation. And maybe that's why it seemed to work so well on camera for Vince for so many years that, you know, he he seems so believable in what he was doing on camera. And he was one of the best heels, the companies, the organization's ever seen, which is maybe why it works so scarily well. But, uh, you know, look, I mean. This is still an ongoing investigation. We can make our assumptions that this is all true. And, you know, again, there is no conclusion on this yet. They are still doing their investigations. So, I mean, I I guess we'll go with the presumption that he's guilty of this. I mean, that's the only way to do this. Otherwise, we have nothing to talk about. Um, But if he's indeed guilty of this, uh, I mean, the thing is, even if he used... Private funds, like okay, say he, he it was proven he did make this payment, but the payment was made from his own money. It was not from stare, uh, sh- stockholders, shareholders' money. I I think that only makes it a little better from the perspective of the the shareholders saying okay, he wasn't misusing appropriate appropriating our funds. But he's still kind of a a scumbag that is cheating on his wife and paid the woman to be quiet about it. Now, he wouldn't be the first nor the last millionaire or billionaire to do this. It's probably way more common than people realize, especially in the world of sports with things like this that we don't even know exist until they come up. Uh, So Vince would not be unique in that way. But it is surprising Mm -hmm. given that Vince McMahon has, you know, it's taken this long for something like this to happen. And. You know, I, I I'm gonna still say there's a small sliver that it's not true, but I'm gonna lean on the side of yeah, it probably did happen. And if it comes out that he actually did this with funds from that were like publicly traded, which I think would be a really bad—I mean, that that would make this worse uh, for him. But I, if that indeed is the case then I think Vince McMahon may have no option, no alternative, but to permanently step down as CEO and maybe leave the company altogether. I mean, do you think that's even a possibility? A, a guy that once defeated God in a tag team match has an opportunity? I mean, do, do you think that's even possible? Say the worst case scenario from, for Vince comes to, to, comes to pass and it's found that he is guilty. Do you think that he'll actually leave the company?
1: You know, you often thought, or I'll just use myself as an example, that there would be nothing aside from death that would be able to pry Vince McMahon away from WWE and full control, both on the business side and the creative side. And he's managed to maintain control of the creative side even through this so far. And we'll get to his promo and appearance on SmackDown three nights ago. But I feel like when you're a publicly traded company, and so many billions of dollars are at play, and there's so many people with their hands in the pot, and we're living in as such a fragile climate as we are today where cancel culture is a real thing, and I'm not referring to that this would be like a victim of cancel culture if they do come out to be true, these accusations. I think that they would be completely justified for people to be completely upset about them. But I, it feels as though, especially when you take into account... His daughter coming in as the interim CEO and chairwoman and how much of a philanthropist she tries to present herself as. I feel like this would be something that he would not be able to survive. And to be honest, I'm still very surprised that he was able to maintain creative control and allowed to appear on Smackdown. Like, that for me, and I I have no doubt in my mind that was completely a Vince McMahon call to try and act like, you know, I did nothing wrong and, you know, try and get out in front of it in a way. But I just, the more and more they let Vince McMahon go here, it just seems to be tarnishing his legacy. And, you know, we talked about his appearance at WrestleMania, how he botched the stunner, how he looks now, the way he kind of acts awkwardly, like and this is aside from the real life stuff that's going on from an on screen perspective, uh, I can't speak for you, but I just feel like he's absolutely tarnishing his legacy as a great, arguably greatest heel of all time, as far as on screen characters go. But now you couple in what's going on behind the scenes and now is coming out publicly in real life matters and how big of a company WWE is and how many big, how much money is at play here. It seems like something that Vince McMahon will not be able to evade, especially when you consider that a guy like Nick Khan has gotten involved recently and it is a publicly traded company. I feel like this may be a storm that he can't avoid this time around. Even, even
0: the uh, powerful Vince McMahon may not be able to survive this. I mean, Vince McMahon is a guy that has survived... The, the the courts before but in this case i don't know if he could survive because of the the backlash especially as you said the, the culture that we're in right now that is that is sensitive to these kinds of things and for better or worse we're not going to get into that but it does exist and i think that it would be a big factor especially from a pr perspective now it's also interesting To note that Stephanie McMahon, and I brought this up and others have too as well, I'm not a genius that thought of this, but uh, Stephanie McMahon stepped kind of aside from WWE a number of months ago, you know, just prior to... Uh, this news coming out and before i mean since essentially the womb she was in wwe day-to-day involved in the decisions involved in whatever i mean she she actually was selling t-shirts early early on in her childhood and made her way all the way all the way up to to the chief brand officer whatever and the thing is it's is it a little bit suspicious that she maybe you know kind of saw the writing on the wall. She knew it was coming down the line. She probably knew ahead of time that there was was something going on with her dad, and she heard rumblings of this coming out. And she smartly decided a couple of months ago to step aside from WWE and do kind of her own thing and distance herself and then all of a sudden these allegations come out, and she's like, "Oh wow, wow, this is this is shocking. Yeah, I didn't know any of this was going on. I mean, maybe from it's kind of self preservation on her part, or it just could be dumb luck. I don't know which one it is, but it is just very suspicious timing where she decided." The moment probably she found out to distance herself and then when the news actually broke, she has some kind of soft landing to say, well, I mean, I left a couple of months ago to do my own thing. I don't know what's going on here. I mean, you know, who knows? But do you think that Stephanie knew something ahead of time and kind of made the smart move to get away from the company and distance herself so that when the news broke, she wasn't associated in any way with this?
1: I mean, like logic would suggest that, right? Like, it feels like way too coincidental that she took a leave of absence, what, in late May and then less than a month later, this all comes out. The only thing that would maybe suggest the opposite is that she was like placed in as the interim CEO and chairwoman. But again, you're right. Like, I just think that it's too coincidental. Maybe it wasn't like solely because of this but maybe it was like she wanted a few weeks away or she wanted some time away. And they then she found out that this was maybe coming down the pike and she said, okay, well, now maybe is no, no better time than now. And, I mean, just for someone like Stephanie McMahon, who has been so gung-ho about distancing herself from the wrestling aspect of the company, you know, a self-proclaimed philanthropist, all these, like... Um, how would you say relationships with these companies or these uh, foundations like Connors Cure and uh, the Susan G Komen foundation. Like, I just feel like this would be the, or this is rather the worst possible scenario for someone like Stephanie McMahon. But I guess I'll just flip it into a question back to you. Do you think that her becoming chairwoman and CEO was something that she knew was going to come at the end of the tunnel here or do you think that maybe the board of directors just picked her because they truly felt that she was the best person for the job
0: well i think that in every organization especially one as large and as as wwe is they have a a succession plan like they, they knew like for example if vince mcmahon were to die and you know he he just you know get hit by a bus they know who's going to step in and that person is stephanie now it also is smart from a The perspective of creating the illusion or the reality that the company is stable with a McMahon in charge to the shareholders and stockholders. If it was somebody they never heard of, that is suddenly the CEO of the organization. People are maybe scrambling, have some doubts, some concerns, and drop some of their stock. I think it is something that they thought of ahead of time, even if this wasn't the case with a scandal, if Vince were to literally, literally die in his sleep or something that they have to have a succession plan and I think Stephanie was that succession plan and is that succession plan and it is smart from the perspective of stability as a whole from to the public eye. So, um, you know, do I think this is going to be permanent? I mean, time will tell. Vince is still involved in the creative, which doesn't surprise me. He's stepping aside, but he's not really stepping away from his work is what it sounds like. He's still kind of the man even without t- the title of being CEO and him coming out on SmackDown. I just want to say, like, I, I really thought that was like i understand why he did it Uh, i understand why he did it because it was to to send a message to everybody watching that he's not going anywhere he's not shying away from this and emphasizing the word together as if we're supposed to just back him on everything i i I think uh is that's what the message was and he didn't say much of anything which really pissed me off uh, because it was very to me very uh kind of narcissistic on his part to just do that i'm like dude you 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 should just go back and, and you know, take care of business. You don't need to come out here for your own ego to send a message. Like, we know who you are. We know what kind of person you are. Go back and take care of business. You don't need to come out and do this public stunt that is literally you've said nothing. People were just like, what the hell is this? I, I was sitting there. I'm like, that's it? He literally repeated the signature video package at the start of the show. Like, that's it? He repeated like four words? Um, I did not like that at all. I understand why he did it. But I think it was left a lot of people like, wh- what was the exact point of this, Vince? You, you took up a, you know, a small amount of time to do what to 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 pop a rating because you knew that, oh, my God, he's he, he's there's a scandal going on. He's going to appear on SmackDown. What the hell is he going to say? You know, and we got literally nothing.
1: Yeah. It, for me, that reeked of him saying like, oh, I'm going to show them that I'm actually innocent and I can do whatever I want. And I'm not rattled by these reports and nothing's going to stop me. But it's just like you literally came out just to tell us that you're still in charge, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like that that's there's no other reasoning for him appearing. And I feel like the last few times that Vince has come out, save for. What he did lately with Austin Theory, but like when it's announced like, oh, Vince McMahon is going to be on SmackDown, he comes out and he says nothing. It's like when he uh, he was meant to open the show, I believe, uh, on SmackDown when they first came back in front of audience in front of people. And he just came out and he said, where the hell have you been? And then he left. And I'm just in my head, I'm just like, just go away. And look, uh, this is not for me to make light of what all these accusations and what's going on in real life. But for a moment, let's talk about Vince McMahon on screen. Does anybody want to see Vince McMahon on screen anymore? For me, it's a no. And it's been no probably since... To be quite honest with you, probably since he got involved with the Roman Reigns and Triple H program back in 2015, 2016, that's the last time that I could remember. And that's we're talking six years ago now or six and a half years ago now that Vince McMahon resembled any kind of version of his past self. And, you know, I'm not a huge fan of Stephanie McMahon on screen, but why not let Stephanie McMahon be that character? Why not let Triple H be that on-screen character? Hell, let Shane McMahon be the on-screen character. But it's just so sad now. And there's no other way to put it. It's just sad to watch him try and be what he used to be and I feel like in a lot of ways that's the way it is in real life too that he still tries to be that genius that creative genius and this over-the-top powerful guy in real life that he makes these bonehead decisions to like book himself to open Smackdown to quite literally say nothing and just come off as an egotistical narcissist I I don't know it's sad because Again, take away the real life parts of it for a second. It's sad that he's tarnishing his on screen character, his on screen legacy, and now we're seeing him tarnish his real life legacy.
0: Mm-hmm. It's akin to when people go beyond their wrestling years when you're just like, dude, it's time to hang up the boots. Can you please stop ruining your legacy? I mean, a lot of criticism was hit, I mean, it sent Undertaker's way, and some of it legitimate, some of it not, um, you know, when it comes to in-ring and when wrestlers just don't know when to let go. I think Vince also has that. That sickness and I I understand it like I even though I'm not I don't have the size of the ego the size of Vince McMahon I do do understand it on some level like when you love something so much and this is your baby and you've created it and you you have been successful in the past as you and I said arguably one of the best heels in the in the entire industry ever and he wasn't even a real wrestler so. To to let go of that and not appear on screen, I'm sure to him is is hard to let go of. But I think also he recognizes I do still think he has some self-awareness to realize that he can't speak long form much more anymore because he he mumbles like you really have to listen to what Vince is saying. He just kind of like mumbles a bunch of words together. And it's like, Grandpa, like, can you can you slow down? It, it feels like he just at this point should be kind of in a rocking chair, playing with his grandchildren. Like, you know, hey, I, when I was your age, pal, you know, I used to be, you know, like that kind of stuff. Like, you shouldn't be running an organization at this age. I mean, you, you just shouldn't be. That's all. It's time. We all need to move on. He, there needs to be a succession plan in place. And maybe he is forced out with this whole scenario. So, do I think he's tarnishing his legacy? I mean. Beyond the scandal, which we'll, we'll, we'll hear about the results of that maybe in the coming weeks or months, um, you know, certainly, yeah, I mean, because for a long time now, especially with the Austin Theory thing, which really put it over the top for me of him just for whatever reason, sitting in an office talking about golden eggs, mumbling to Austin Theory, emasculating a talent you're supposed to be elevating, you know, all that kind of stuff made no sense to me. And also he was not coherent. I cannot hear what you're saying, Vince. Um, so, yeah, and, and on top of the boneheaded creative decisions, it's just his mental faculties are wearing as we all will when we get to that age. And it just, he just unless something forces him out like this and, and the there's public outcry from stockholders and shareholders, I do not believe that he will leave the organization unless there is like almost unanimous uh, unanimous movement to get him out. So,
1: well, I heard that now Stephanie McMahon If she sticks in this role, I believe it was Wade Keller who reported it, that if she ends up sticking in this role as the permanent CEO, she's going to lean a lot on Triple H. No surprise there. But Paul Heyman and that Paul Heyman would get a massive role in creative. And let's just play, you know, for funsies, the hypothetical scenario that Vince McMahon is forced out. Do you think Stephanie McMahon becoming the CEO and chairwoman and delegating a lot of the creative decisions to Paul Heyman and presumably Triple H would be a good thing for the company?
0: Well, I mean, both of them are proven, like, I mean, Triple H built NXT from literally nothing. I mean, they built it from the, the days of essentially Double Dare to a, an established brand that has credibility around the world. Uh, <clears throat> and then, of course, Paul Heyman, an established, well-documented, uh, creative mind. Now, he's also getting up there in age, too. Age is a factor here, guys. Like, I hate to say it. I'm not saying Paul Heyman is is uh, completely out of his prime, but he's on the back nine. I mean, let's be honest. He's not a young guy. But... um. At least in the next 10 to 15 years, could Paul Heyman be a guy that you could rely on? Absolutely. He's proven. He's one of the best promos on the ever in the industry, ever, bar none, any generation I put him up against. Um, he's a guy that had built ECW. He's a guy that actually created Stone Cold Steve Austin, or at least created the the environment to help facilitate stone cold to become stone cold. Um, You know, so yeah, I mean, I think that would be fine. Why not? I mean, they're both proven. Why go with somebody that you don't know? Now, some people may say, well, it's even with Vince gone, it's kind of the same thing. Like the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Stephanie's a chip off the old block, whatever analogy you want to use. And there are some realities to that. I mean, just because Vince is gone some people think that uh you know all will be well it'll be a totally fresh new product I even if that were the case where Paul Heyman and Triple H each run Raw or SmackDown or both or whatever and Stephanie's the CEO and Vince is gone and the evil Vince McMahon is sitting at home I still don't think we're going to see a massive change in WWE because you still have a McMahon in charge. You still have everybody that Vince McMahon hired in creative there presumably everybody that is in the production team and in, uh, in helping create the product that it is today. You still have all those people there that are all in the same positions there are no new minds unless you literally clean house and start fresh, which they won't do because it's not a smart move if you're a publicly traded company. There's a lot of restrictions and things you need to consider when you're a publicly traded organization. So I don't think with Vince gone that things are just going to, bam, magically change. Now, you may see small things here and there, but I think largely it'll be run mostly the same that vince has run it because stephanie learned under vince mcmahon she was his daughter for god's sakes and she is got vince mcmahon's blood literally running through her veins so she's not a carbon copy of vince but i think largely things won't change and i hate to say that for people that want to see a massive change in wwe
1: yeah i mean i i just wonder if stephanie mcmahon would delegate more because she so doesn't want to be a part of the actual wrestling aspect of it. Right. But like, I wonder if maybe that would be like a hidden positive that because she doesn't want to be really directly involved with it, that she would delegate more to people with more wherewithal to be better served in that position. But then there's the other aspect about this. And the one guy who's kind of becoming the X factor in WWE is Mm -hmm. Nick Khan. Like, I know that Stephanie McMahon has assumed the role of chairwoman and CEO and is a technically a higher position than Nick Khan, who he's the president, if I'm not mistaken. And I'm just wondering here that since he joined WWE and replaced, uh, I believe her name was Michelle Wilson and George Barrios. I think those were their names. He has kind of just been like taking like a, uh, a machete to the complete organizational structure here. And I think that like in a weird way, like well, I I don't think it's more I'm just like thinking out loud here rather, is like is he kind of trying to clean up WWE and fix it for the way that maybe the shareholders and the board of directors want to take this company into the future? Do you think that Nick Khan is kind of a big X factor for the company moving forward?
0: Well, he's already been, right? Like you said. He's already been a guy going around with a machete, a sledgehammer, whatever blunt object you want to use. I mean, the guy has had a massive impact, especially over the last couple of years of not just COVID. COVID didn't help, but the firings, the releases, the shocking releases that have taken place over the last two years. I mean, typically it's the week after WrestleMania. I think it's like they call it like Black Thursday, Black Wednesday, whatever it is, um, that week following WrestleMania where there's typically layoffs. There were mass amounts of layoffs the last couple of years and throughout the year, not just one particular time and not just wrestlers either like production travel staff for obvious reasons you know so uh, the guy's already had a massive impact on WWE from a personnel perspective and I'm sure the organizational chart if you looked at it with the few hundred people they have working there looks much different now than it did a couple of years ago prior to Nick Khan coming in so he's already had a massive impact now I don't know what their plans are moving forward like you said maybe Stephanie McMahon decides hey uh, this would be really cool i'm the first woman chairwoman of wwe uh you know that kind of thing and 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 you know she may use that for kind of like women's empowerment or whatever the hell she wants to do i don't know um but if she doesn't then perhaps she's just going to get the organization ready for a sale now i know that this has been discussed for uh six to twelve months now about they're going to sell it to disney well While they didn't, at least up until this point, with Vince gone, maybe he was the one roadblock that that Disney could not get to say yes, and they obviously need his blessing. Vince out of the way. Stephanie really doesn't want to run the place. She's more interested in doing her own business ventures. Why not make a few billion, sell the company to Disney, get it or at least prepare it, sell it to Disney, and then be on her merry way and let Disney run the organization? I mean, I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm not saying that I've heard that's going to happen, but it's in terms of the information I
1: have at this point doesn't seem out of the realm of impossibility. No, not at all. And you like that's the way that these things sent seem to be trending right like it happened with the UFC I believe it was Dana White and were they the Fertitta brothers I think that sold them uh, sold the UFC to a big corporation and they kept Dana White on as the president and it just seems like that's the way that uh, this thing is trending here and the only thing maybe stopping it is Vince McMahon and like, look, they've already sold the WWE network to Peacock, AKA NBC universal. So it would stand to reason that maybe they'll sell the entire company to, to a a company like Disney. And you know how, like, because let's be honest here. Like, do you think that Stephanie McMahon, definitely not Shane McMahon, he hasn't been involved in any major way on the business side for about 12 years now, if not longer, it doesn't seem to me like Stephanie McMahon is chomping at the bit, the bit to, you know, be her mm-hmm. father's successor and carry on the McMahon legacy as, you know, wrestling promoters. Hell, her father won't even say the word wrestling. They invented the the term sports entertainment out of thin air. And Stephanie McMahon has really taken that ball and completely run with it. So I would think that maybe that's where this is gonna trend. And Nick Kahn kind of seems like a guy who has kind of spearheaded that. You know, you've also heard some rumors that maybe the Rock would buy it because he <laughs> has a a long-standing relationship with Nick Khan that I don't think anyone knew until the Rock's social media post. But I mean, I guess before we move on to the Brock and Roman thing, what the last question I would kind of ask you is that do you think that once Vince McMahon isn't in power anymore, whether that be that he survives this and eventually dies or he is forced out because of the scandal? do you think the McMahons will move forward as massive parts of WWE? And by McMahons, I guess you could also say Triple H as well.
0: You're listening to the WWE podcast. We'll be right back after this short break. You got to check out the mentality show. If you could be a fly on the wall and could hear how men think and really want to hear what goes on in the minds of everyday men, then you should check out The Mentality Show. Every Wednesday at 6 p.m. on YouTube and Facebook Live. Real men, real talk. The Mentality Show. You can find them anywhere you stream podcasts and YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Just look up The Mentality Show. Welcome back to the WWE Podcast. Let's get back to more great wrestling audio. I, yeah. So do I think that WWE is going to move on with a McMahon in charge? Was that your question? Like, yeah, I, exactly. Yeah, do I? Well, I mean, again, assuming Disney doesn't purchase WWE, because at that point they could make whatever decisions they want from a management perspective. I, I do believe again. Like you said with Shane, Shane's a guy that I would love to know the inner workings of the like the, the relationship with Shane and Vince and, and the backstage stuff that's going on with Shane because he seems to be in, out, in, out. Things seem good. Oh, no, they're bad. He's back to doing whatever, making shoes in China. I don't know. his Whatever he's doing. Um, and so I, the, the Shane thing, like you said, that's out. Like Shane clearly isn't a good fit or doesn't want to be a part of WWE from that perspective. Stephanie is a wild card. Maybe she is interested in doing this, and she does have a little bit of the evil geniusness inside of her that, you know, her dad certainly instilled. And um, I think that there's a possibility that maybe she actually does want to. And this is kind of just her evil plan being hatched where not that she she set up her dad, but maybe, again, distancing herself, setting herself up for that role so that knowing she's in that next line of a uh, defense that next person in line, if Vince were to have to step aside, like he just did, then per- she knew that if I'm involved, like, well, I can't be involved with a scandal going on, how did I not know? So let me distance myself, and in two months, they're going to call me to be interim CEO, and then they're going to find that Vince is guilty, and I'm the permanent CEO. I mean, like it's possible she thought that far ahead. I wouldn't put it past her. She's a smart woman. I mean, you can't get to that level and do what she's done if, if she wasn't. So there's that possibility. So long answer, I think, yeah. Like I think that there will be a McMahon in charge when the smoke settles from this uh, the scandal, even if Vince is found guilty, he's thrown out. People go crazy. The headlines blow up. Vince McMahon, out of WWE, whatever, uh, which will be a lot of fun to, to talk about. But I still, at the end of the day, think the last name of the person running the company will be McMahon.
1: Because you think that even if a company like Disney or, let's say, NBC, whatever – would buy WWE. They would keep a McMahon still in charge to oversee the operations. If they were willing.
0: If, if Stephanie, if, here's the thing. If Stephanie's not willing, though, things change, right? Like if if Stephanie McMahon has no interest and she truly does just want to uh, do her own thing, or you know, sell it, let Disney make whoever they want to make uh, CEO, president, you know, head of talent relations, all that then sure the then then things change Stephanie McMahon to me though is the last member of the McMahon family that I think could actually be the CEO I don't think Shane has any interest based on just the last 20 years of his in and outs um, and things we've heard but if Stephanie's not interested then then all bets are off I think maybe Paul Levesque Triple H could be the guy to actually take it over, or, or hell, maybe Nick Khan. I mean, the, the <laughs> he could. I mean, Nick Khan or, uh, or Triple H. I, I don't know who else could possibly step in if Stephanie's not interested.
1: The, the Shane McMahon thing to me has always been so weird. Obviously, you can't judge a guy based off of his on-screen character, but like, Everyone who's listened to me for a while know now knows that I'm a big Shane McMahon fan, but I always felt that he resonated well with the crowd. I would argue that he was probably, of all the McMahons, probably the best served to play the babyface role. I know Jim Cornette has said numerous times that he's the best McMahon or the nicest McMahon. It just really makes you wonder what the hell went on behind the scenes with Shane, especially considering the fact that he's the older of the two. I think relatively substantially between him and Stephanie, I think he has like at least five years on her. It just really begs the question: like, what the hell went on with Shane for him to leave in two thousand and nine? Then even when he came back in twenty sixteen, it was largely only as an on screen guy. And I still think that he got over pretty well. Like when he was the commissioner of SmackDown, he had his programs with Kevin Owens and um, not not Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles. AJ, yeah. He had the match, yeah, like. I thought that he really resonated well with the crowd, and obviously what happened at this year's Royal Rumble when he was a producer really kind of killed that entire thing in the cradle, and he ultimately got ousted by the company, but I've just always wondered what the hell went on with Shane McMahon behind the scenes. I mean, yeah, that,
0: that I hope at some point before before that, uh, you know, Shane heads to his grave, he doesn't take it to his grave. I would love to know the ins and outs of that. I mean, because it's fascinating the things we don't know about the relationship between, you know, the son and father. Now, of course, that's a very private, intimate relationship. Maybe we will never know, and they both will take it to their graves, and everyone just say that's none of our business, and I guess it isn't, but I, I think it is very interesting. It's fascinating, uh, the relationship between Vince and, and Shane, because like you're right, Shane is a very popular if not the most popular from a crowd perspective, Uh, McMahon, yeah, his punches and he doesn't wrestle the best. And, you know, I've heard all the criticisms and I understand that to some degree. But Shane McMahon, uh, you know, puts 110 percent in even if he doesn't wrestle the best, quote unquote. I think that uh, Shane could if he was interested, he could run the company. But I don't know if whoever's in charge at the very top would want him as the CEO. Again, a bridge will cross when we get there. But let's dive in. Uh, to Brock Lesnar and uh, his return. So, um, <sighs> Anthony, are, were you surprised? And are you? Are, do you like this? Like, uh, what do you think about all this?
1: I'm torn because I truly do like Brock Lesnar a lot. Um, I know a lot of people hate him because he's a part time guy and he always just gets handed these main event uh, type of matches and storylines and um just it, his entire career has been a main event served to him on a silver platter because he is a massive draw but I've just always really liked Brock Lesnar I like that he brings like a legitimacy to WWE I think he's a very underweighted worker I'm not as big of a fan of cowboy Brock as I am of as classic Brock. I like classic Brock way more, but I respect the hell that he's been able to provide another dimension and prove to people that if he wants to be, he can be a standalone character without Paul Heyman talking for him. He's not the best, but he's passable. I like that he's at least proved that he can be a different type of guy than just bouncing up and down and looking big and scary. But I'm with you. I prefer the classic Brock. So I've I'm I always have time for Brock Lesnar. And I do think that including Roman Reigns, aside from if The Rock comes back or when Austin comes back or even John Cena. But I think maybe he's on the same level as Brock. Brock is like the biggest draw WWE has right now. um, That really kind of transcends the business that everybody knows. Obviously, his UFC background helps. But. This just isn't it. You know, my <laughs> love for Brock Lesnar isn't enough for me to get behind this. Number one, it's just because we're doing this again. Again, we're doing Brock and Roman well, again. And it doesn't make sense this time around because the last two times that they competed one-on-one, Roman won. He beat him in Saudi Arabia last October, and he beat him at WrestleMania. And I believe at WrestleMania it was clean, was yep, it not? Yep, yep. So what grounds does Brock Lesnar have aside from the fact that he's Brock Lesnar to come back and jump the line? And the other part about this is, is that, and again, maybe I'm backtracking a bit, but I just didn't, wasn't ready for Brock yet. Like I thought Brock was going to come back like post SummerSlam because it kind of felt like we got like a Brock overload in a lot of ways. And I just think we got a Brock and Roman overload and I just, I don't know why we're seeing this again. I think that they're going back to the well with how they start programs with Roman way too much, like that he beats someone, he's about to walk off, and then someone's music hits and just comes and gets in his face. You know, we saw that with, what was it? When he beat Rey Mysterio, Edge did that. When he beat Edge, John Cena did that. When he beat John Cena, Brock did that. Now when he beat Riddle, Brock did it again, like It's just like, do they have no other way to start or build a program involving Roman Reigns? And obviously, you have the whole thing with Roman Reigns that, you know, I know absence makes the heart grow fonder. I get that. But the fact that he's occupying both world titles and he's only defended them on screen once since WrestleMania, to me, is inexcusable. Not like not even at a pay-per-view. It was just on a SmackDown, which we talked about last week, solidified that even though we didn't, we wouldn't think that Riddle would have a shot, even if it was at a pay-per-view, the fact that it was on SmackDown, we knew for a fact that it mean, meant Riddle was not winning. And I just think everything together has just made this very underwhelming, and it's just WWE going back to the well one too many times. I understood why they did it last year in Saudi Arabia, because they wanted to get uh, presented in a different way with Roman as the heel and Brock as the babyface. Okay, I was on board I wasn't a huge fan of them doing it again at WrestleMania, but I understood that they were trying to make it feel like the biggest match of all time. Fine. Wasn't a fan. The match was terrible, but I understood it. This I don't even understand anymore.
0: It really is puzzling. Um, Like you said, I'm a fan of Brock Lesnar, too. Uh, You know, how can you not be, you know, regardless of the program he's in, he's a he's a once in a lifetime athlete and he is. Not the greatest on the mic, but that doesn't even matter. That's how big of a deal he is and how much he's accomplished and the presence he has, all that, and yeah, what he can do in the ring, too. Um, and, you know, I, 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 hey, the guy wants to make millions for showing up part-time. Are we going to start crapping on Roman Reigns for that? Are we going to start crapping on John Cena for that or everybody else that's done that and made that path, The Rock? You're telling me we're, we're going to boo The Rock if he comes back and say, oh, you're part-time, get out of here. Like, the fans, I understand, get frustrated at a certain point, but the problem with Roman is he is, he's champion. And the the really iron ironic part of this whole thing is that wwe merged these belts together so roman has a whole new set of opponents to work with he can work with the entire roster and show up on raw more and smackdown yet he's done actually less of both like he's done they've they've actually done the worst possible thing you could do with this uh this scenario and take the guy that won the belts take the belts and take everything and just put it into hibernation and it just goes away. Like, that's the wor- like that's the worst possible scenario. No, I understand he's working less dates and Roman's getting paid a lot of money. Great for him. Seriously, happy for him. He's at the point in his career where he can work less and make the same. Good for him. That's what I would want, too. But the problem is now you are... You are sacrificing other opportunities for other people who could be holding one of those belts or both if they still want to keep it unified by what Uh, for for what to hold it for for Brock Lesnar to challenge again that we know he's going to lose for the 14th time, Uh, you know, when they could have easily had a rematch with Riddle. Now, I understand the stipulation was, oh, Riddle couldn't challenge Roman again. There's a billion ways around that. Um, You know, I think that that would have been a much more fun match with Riddle only because They've, they've gotten a lot of momentum behind him. People organically like Riddle. And they would have had, I think, a better quality match, especially what we saw on SmackDown. They had a really good match. A lot of really believable near falls, i.e. the RKO that was, uh, or the spear that was... Reversed into an RKO. Like, there was a moment I'm like, oh crap, like, he could actually win it here, and everyone else thought the same thing. Um, You know, and Riddle is amazing in the ring. They could have built that into the main event of Money in the Bank at the MGM in, in Las Vegas, but the problem is. Again, I think this comes straight from Vince McMahon, um, is that he wants the biggest main event possible, and he think, thinks that bringing Brock back is a bigger main event. Now, in one respect, it is, but at the same time, you've got this rising star and a star that's more believable to beat Roman than a guy that just got beat by Roman like 18 times to come back that you know isn't going to beat Brock or beat Roman. He has zero chance. Like I don't think Brock has any chance to beat Roman at Money in the Bank versus Riddle, who you can make an argument. Hey, he's an up and coming star. That's what you want to do with the person that beats Roman is have a, a guy that's on the rise, has a momentum behind him. He's young. Check, check, check. Riddle has a OK chance that you can make an argument. Brock has zero chance of, of, of beating Roman. And so you take that element of surprise away from it. And I think he brought back Brock earlier than maybe he wanted. Especially if Randy Orton truly is out for the next, you know, I don't know how long. Apparently, till the end of the year. I've heard a lot of different things, but I don't know if this is going to be the end of it with Brock and Roman. I mean, they got SummerSlam next. What are they going to do? Just have Brock Lesnar go away? And then I don't think so. I think I think we could see like part seven of this uh, of this matchup with Brock and Roman at SummerSlam. Like, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but. Brock isn't back just for this kind of B pay-per-view. I think he's back through SummerSlam and it could be Roman Reigns for both both times.
1: Well, that's the thing I wanted to ask, like is it for money in the bank because I thought I saw something that said that he came back to challenge Roman for SummerSlam. Oh. That they're just going to skip over I like don't quote me on that, but and I'm pretty sure it's for a last man standing match.
0: I saw that. I'm not-
1: so, like, I, I'm pretty sure, like, you could double check this for me that they booked this for SummerSlam. Oh, my God. And they're just going to leapfrog money in the bank. And assuming that's accurate and I'm not completely messing this up, you're basically holding that title hostage or both titles hostage for two months. Yep. And we know that for two months, nobody's even going to get involved in the world championship picture or the undisputed championship picture, forget having a match for it, forget having, you know, winning it. There's going to be nobody even stepping up to Roman for the entire summer because they've already decided two months in advance. It's Roman versus Brock. For what reason? No other than Vince feels like that's the biggest match that he could put together. And that's why like, Maybe I was overly negative with Roman from the onset when he won the two championships at WrestleMania, but I felt like this is the way that it was going, that these championships were just going to go into hibernation. And look, again, maybe I'm talking about both sides of my, out of my mouth because when Brock was Universal Champion on Monday Night Raw back in 2017 or whatever it was, I didn't mind it as much. But in part of that was because you had guys like AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan carrying the other world championship over on SmackDown. So it still felt kind of legitimate that there, there was at least one world championship in the mix. And to be honest... I feel like Brock back then competed more than Roman is now. And that's crazy to say. Like, you had Brock defending the Universal Championship at pay-per-views, like Great Balls of Fire and Battleground and stuff like that. And this, you don't even have Roman competing at any pay-per-view. And for me, it's just the fact that you've brought back another part-timer to go head-to-head with him for, like, the 15th time it's like, it's absolutely crazy. And it's just like, how am I supposed to invest in this anymore? Like, unless it is like this incredible long-term booking that Seth is going to win money in the bank and then cash in on uh, Roman and Brock again, you know, akin to Mm -hmm. what happened seven years ago. But I mean, I'm not giving WWE that much credit, especially with the way that they've booked Seth in terms of wins and losses over the last 12 months. So, I mean, anything short of that, and assuming I don't know if you're able to double check it, but like assuming that this is just booked for SummerSlam and they're completely leapfrogging money in the bank and everything in between, you know, I just I'm not very high on this.
0: No, I I, I just read a few articles that did say that. I mean, that that apparently I, I did not see the last man standing. I just didn't see the venue. I thought it was money in the bank. Um, it does look like that is slated for SummerSlam. And if that is, if that holds true, that is. Again, like you said, another 60 days tacked onto his 650, so he'll be at what? Like seven hundred and ten days as champion, and at that point you're three quarters of the way there, roughly two a thousand days and I keep harping on that, but I can foresee them uh, just doing that and can, just because they're like, well, guys, when are we gonna have this opportunity again to have a thousand days like to me, that's such narrow minded uh booking, but um yeah, but the only the only hope we have is exactly what you said: the money in the bank winner, whether it's drew or Seth. Um, Yeah, because I think those are really the only two that have a legitimate argument to win that match, which I probably think it'll actually be Drew, because then he'll challenge Roman for Clash at the Castle, I'd imagine, um, unless he wins some other way to challenge Roman, but you already know, at least through Clash at the Castle with Drew in September... Like Roman's going to hold the belt at least another three months to get to Rome or to get to Brock or sorry, to get to <laughs> Drew. There's 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 like the same cast of characters here um, to get fro- to Roman versus Drew at Clash in the Castle. You gotta get, go another three months. And it's just absurd that we already know the next quarter of a year there is no chance of anyone taking the belt from Roman. Like, that's, I think, the biggest problem I've had with this run. And I've been a big proponent of this run. I have. I, and I've sat here and defended him more than most. And, and, you know, for better or worse, that is what it is. It's very subjective here. But the biggest problem I've had over the two years almost that he's been champion, and look out for them harping on that at SummerSlam, by the way, for two years he's been champion the 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 biggest complaint I've had is that every nearly every opponent he's had, you've never really believed that they could beat Roman. Like they they've Kevin Owens even it's you know he, in his four matches or whatever he had, there was maybe one of the matches you're like eh, maybe, but at the end of the day you're you're never thinking oh my god they're probably going to be the one to beat Roman, and then they don't you're like oh man they had a chance. Nobody, there's been nobody, Cesaro, the demon Finn Balor, Kevin Owens, uh, obviously Brock Lesnar, you know, anytime he challenges Roman has no chance. Um, You know, he faced John Cena, you knew, while there was some speculation, he's a part-time guy, doesn't make sense, legend doesn't need it, he doesn't make, he's not going to get it. You know, uh, The Rock, he comes back, you know it doesn't make sense, it's all just nostalgic matches, and, and just like video game matches that people are, are are thinking themselves yeah there's no chance like this is it's cool that these matches are happening but unfortunately guys we know the outcome like we we already know roman's retaining because it doesn't make sense for this person to win that's the been the biggest complaint i've had with this entire run is that 99 percent of his opponents you just go yeah it's gonna be a fun match but there's no way they're winning that that's that's a terrible way to have a title run
1: I think the only time that I really thought that maybe he would lose was WrestleMania 37 in the Triple Threat match with Daniel Bryan and Edge. Mm-hmm. That's and once he beat them, and I still picked Roman to retain, but that was the one time where I wasn't a hundred percent confident. But you're right, like Rey Mysterio, no Edge the second time at Money in the Bank, no. Cena, I mean, somewhat, I said, like, hmm, maybe they'll give Cena his 17th world title to pass, pass Flair and then he'll drop it back to Roman. But, I mean, the way that they booked him versus Cena was embarrassing. The Brock thing, obviously, like, him winning at WrestleMania was the most clear-cut outcome we've ever seen, arguably, at a WrestleMania. And we knew that he was going to beat Riddle on SmackDown. And, like, I don't know if I'm missing anyone in there. Obviously, Ju. So at the very beginning, we knew wasn't going to have a hope in the hell of winning the championship. So, like, it is a shame. It sucks that, like, even a guy like Seth Rollins, like, if that was a good match, I think the program had a lot more juice left in it, aside from the fact that it was heel versus heel. But we knew that Rollins wasn't going to win because they were in the midst of the Brock angle and you had Seth as a raw guy. So even that, we knew that Seth didn't have a hope in hell of winning the Universal Championship at the Rumble. So, I mean, it's very unfortunate that even though it has been an excellent run for the most part, I would say all the way up until this year's WrestleMania, I had no complaints with it. Uh, I would say that it is still a shame that for the first 18 months when it was red hot, you never presented a formidable opponent for him to go up against.
0: Yeah, it's, it's that. I mean, again, I'm not going to pretend that I wasn't a fan of it. I was. I was. I mean, I was a big fan of his run, and to some degree, I still am. I, I can respect what's going on. But at this point, like, fans are starting to lose their patience in a way that's not good. It's not good heat. It's like people don't want to watch anymore. And I will argue tooth and nail that there is difference in that kind of heat where people just want to change the channel and they don't want to even invest anymore. Disengagement is not heel heat. I think that's the difference that people don't understand sometimes. And so I think that. That people are at that point. People are at that point where they're just like disengaged and they're just like, oh, well, Roman's going to win. It's going to be a good match. You know, so I watch for just like the, the wrestling perspective, but uh, I'm kind of disinvested from the Bloodline. It's the same thing. Roman wins, retains, he stands there, tells tells people to acknowledge him, and then a new opponent comes out just as he's holding up the belts. It's like very <laughs> formulaic. It's the same thing, and I totally get it. I'm not crapping on that, and I'm starting to uh, I'm starting to get on that bandwagon of like, okay, I'm yeah, I'm kind of done with this. Can, can can we just get the belts off Roman so we can get Roman in matches that you actually don't know. Know if he's going to win or not? Like, like to me, like you've you've made your point. Roman's a future Hall of Famer. He's had an epic run, a legendary run. We get all that. Great heel turn, great success, great execution for the most part. Point made. Can we move on? You are strangle holding two championships unified into one that you're not even maximizing or utilizing at all. By the way, and you're also holding back talent that could be taking these spots for pay per views that are that oftentimes don't even have a world title match because Roman's not there. I mean, so there's there's to me the negatives finally outweigh the positives of Roman holding those belts. I you know, just I, I'm there now.
1: And it sucks because they had something amazing, but it's just they had to exaggerate. They had to push it. And by they, I mean, Vince, that like, you know, I could see it just like, oh, you see, like, now they're behind Roman. Now I'm going to give them what they want. And it's just like, no, like, why can't he just be a top wrestler but, like, not above and beyond and head and shoulders above everyone else. Like, even Stone Cold Steve Austin back in the day wasn't pushed like this. Like, you know, like, even Stone Cold, when he was on top, at least you had that one guy in the Rock, or to a bit lesser extent Triple H that, like, when they would go head-to-head with Austin, you would think, like, damn, maybe they could beat him, and sometimes they did. Triple H beat him in the three stages of hell match. One of the The best of all time, by the
0: way. I love that match, yeah.
1: Exactly. Like The Rock beat him at WrestleMania 19, obviously a different context, but he still beat him. Like you, ha- when The Rock was the world champion and Austin was out in 2000, The Rock was the, the top guy. Like Kurt Angle beat him in at No Way Out in 2000 or no, sorry, it was No Mercy 2000. Like, these are things sometimes that have to happen, and I could guarantee you that guys like The Rock, guys like Austin, even a guy like John Cena, and, you know, he was pushed as Super Cena for a long time, but never to this extent, that, like, it pays sometimes to have them lose, and it pays sometimes for them to have that redemption story. Like, I think one of the things that really helped Cena, and I don't know if you remember this, but, like, in the year 2012 when he lost to The Rock... At WrestleMania 28, and then he was just a losing match after match after match after match. And 2012, all Cena did was lose, and he had a failed cash-in Money in the Bank uh, briefcase. And then in 2013, he won the rumble and he beat the rock at the, at WrestleMania 29. And even though it wasn't my favorite thing in the world, I think it got a lot more people behind John Cena again, because they did have him face some form of adversity. And could you imagine like Roman losing a match and coming out like a month later, more vicious than ever because he did finally lose. Like they would have a brand new, like can of worms to open and work with. And everyone would be so much more invested because we're just like, okay, hey, we had a vicious Roman before, but now that he's lost, let's see what levels he'll take it to to get that title back. And they just won't even yeah. go there.
0: There's there's such a story to be told on the other end of this. Like we have had, they've squeezed every last drop of juice, at least we think they have, out of this current product. For two years, they've been doing the same thing with Roman. And there's, a, there's such another side of this. There's a potentially better side of this or more interesting side of this on the other side where, okay, he lost now. What the hell is he going to do when he comes out? What's he going to, is he going to like light the arena on fire? Like, what is he going to do? Like the, the quiet anger, I think he could show on camera would be scary. Good. And I would love to see it. They could even turn him babyface off of it. I mean, honestly, the fans are already cheering when he comes out. Um, Some of them are, he's got a, a great entrance music. Uh, the, you know, again, I think that the fans have had time to hate him. The ones that have wanted to boo him have had time to boo him. We've, we've had a lot of, a, a lot of fans like myself, pent up anger for him that I think is now released and we're ready to embrace him. If they ever wanted to turn him babyface. they could, we could get to the point where Vince wanted him to be six years ago, winning the rumble in 15 in Philly, except actually be there now because they've gone through the time of hating him. And now they could instantly turn him on a dime. I really believe that. So you're right. Um, it's just time, and, and and I think that fans are fed up. We're done with it, and you know, I, I just... I don't want to go in circles, but uh, any final thoughts on this?
1: No, I just... Uh, it's a shame that we know that the world titles aren't going to be moving or have a developing storyline for two months uh, during the summer. It's just, it's just just sad and it's frustrating.
0: (laughs) It's frustrating. I I honestly don't even know the next time they're they're in question. I mean, WrestleMania, but if the rocks, there challenging for the belts, God help us. I didn't want to cross that bridge. I mean, we've got like eight months until we have to talk about that. Uh, I just really hope if the rock comes back, it's not for the belts. You and I have discussed that, but I really don't even know the next time I would look at a Roman match. Even again, it, it, all the way to WrestleMania and go, Hmm, well, it could be this person who beats him here. There's literally no one I can think of at this time that could come back and challenge Roman outside of some people in XT. I've heard the names, but in right now in the current roster, I look at it, I go, Hmm, yeah, there's nobody. So just put it on Seth for God's sakes. Like just have Seth win the money in the bank, cash it in that night. Let's get it over with. Seth is now the uh, unified champion. Like let's move on. That's what I would do. Um, but, um, all right. Well, uh, Anthony, thank you for coming on tonight. Of course, you guys can check out Anthony on his retro show. And uh, this past week was a from the vault version, but this week uh, hopefully we'll get a, a fresh new uh, a fresh new episode. And uh, did you have anything in mind, Anthony, or you, you you're waiting for the universe to inspire you over the next few days?
1: <laughs> no, no, I actually have one in mind. It was supposed to be last week, but it's just with the whole moving stuff. Like I knew that I would have had to pre- like record a half-ass version, so just figured <laughs> give us a. Uh, A brand new episode this week, and it will be The Rock's run from 2011 to 2013 as we will dive into his return and his semi-full-time run that when he came back in early 2013 all the way Uh, up until WrestleMania in late March, where for just about two or three months or so, it felt like The Rock was kind of on a full-time schedule. Maybe not from an in-ring perspective, but he was appearing on Raw, he was appearing on SmackDown almost each and every week when he held the WWE Championship in early 2013. And I don't think people remember how often he came back during that period, so I'm excited to dive into that.
0: I actually, I'm glad you're doing that because I actually don't remember him there much, but maybe it is a foggy memory because you look at these legacy stars and you're like, yeah, but they weren't there that much. But I think you're right that he was there way more than we realize. And, you know, that, that's important. I think he wanted to, to put some respect on the belts and not just be this abs- absentee champion. So good stuff. I'll be looking forward to it. And uh, you, you have a social media you want to share as well?
1: Yeah, as always, you can get me at Marco 25 on Twitter. Awesome.
0: Well, looking forward to the episode and we will be talking next week.
1: All
0: right, man. Take it easy. Take care. Thanks for listening to the WWE podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a show. Or head to wwepodcast.com.